0: The Pokes Report podcast is sponsored by Stilly Barber Co. That's right. Downtown Barbershop is now Stilly Barber Co., still owned by Randall, giving out the best haircuts in town, still located at 609 South Main Street here in Stillwater. You can give them a call for an appointment, 405 269 you can check them out on the web at stillybarber.co Randall and Joe still giving out the best haircuts around regular haircuts, skin and razor fades they obviously have beard care as well beard trims, beard shaves it's a wonderful blend of beard balm, beard oil and just a little bit of steam and of course every service includes their hot towel and razor neck shave it's the best place in town and of course Randall brings his dog in Blue, Blue's a great dog I love Blue Be sure to check Stilly Barber Co. out at 609 South Main Street here in Stillwater. Just give them a call for an appointment, 405-269-8590, or you can check them out on the web at stillybarber.co. Welcome into the Pokes Report podcast, Zach Lancaster here alongside Brian Murphy, Old Murph's out on the road, but he's doing a lot more important things than, than hanging out with me. Uh, I haven't talked to you in a couple of days, Brian. So, uh, first of all, how's it going?
1: Hey, yeah, no, everything's everything's great. Uh, I'm on the beautiful campus of UCO here in Edmond watching my son at a baseball camp. Yesterday was was the first day of it, and he learned he won the camper of the day Ooh. on the first day, which they give him out for a little, you know, the trade. I'm, I'm not going to say that he was the best one out there by any means, but he won uh, the listen and learn was the emphasis, the trade emphasis yesterday. So, Zach, I have to ask you. You went to Big 12 Media Day. Mm-hmm. You listened, but what did you learn?
0: Nothing. Ah, all right. No, well, I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> I was, I was going to say listen and learn. I, th- I think that's a uh, – I think that's a valuable trait that kinda kinda lost kinda lost its way there for a little bit. You know, I not not too many people wanna to listen. Not too many people wanna learn. They kinda have their own right. they kinda have their own their own agendas and their own way about think, thinking about things and kinda have their own ideas and they, they don't really wanna learn or listen. So I kudos to the UCO baseball camp for trying to trying to reinstill some of those values in some of our uh, some of our younger generations i think that's uh, i right. think that's really good and and i i will you know you always hear the the whole you know older people and and my age and older saying oh this younger generation man i i got to <laughs> give it to the the kids that are younger than me uh like er, mid to late mid mid-ish 20s and and earlier are some of the most understanding people so i i, I will i will give them that i'll i'll give them credit for for being a, a very understanding and accepting generation and, and willing to learn and willing to listen. So uh, please, well, that's, that's, please please that's continue. That's very nice word for the younger generation. Well, you know, there Which is which is who Brett your mark wants to target. And and I think that's and I think it's smart, you know. Uh the children are the future. You know, so you have to you have to go out and you have to try to market to younger generations, you know, because if you get to a certain point, you know, a certain generation, it's like, and and this isn't a shot. This is, this is just fact. It's, you know, well, I'm not, I don't really, I'm not looking to spend money on that. You know, I've, I've, I kind of know what I want. I kind of know what I need and I'm not, I'm not looking to spend money. And so every business, everything is always geared. You know, if you look at TV commercials, you look at car ads, you look at every, it's always geared towards younger demographics. Um, you're not necessarily you know, there there are certain companies and obviously certain brands that that are gonna gear their ads and, and whatnots towards the older generations, but for for the most part, you're gonna be trying to target younger audiences. And if you're the Big Twelve, I, I think that's incredibly smart because you know, you asked me if I, I did I learn and listen to any listened and learned anything at Big Twelve Media Days the The main answer would probably be no, because any of the coaches you're going to hear from, you know, other, you know what, other than new coaches. But I cover Oklahoma State, so I'm not I'm not going to learn too much from a new coach at Texas Tech or TCU or OU, right? Um, I'm gonna I'm mainly going to try to learn as much as I can about Oklahoma State. But if I'm if I'm covering another one of those schools, I'm antsy. I'm I'm really itching to hear from a new coach. I, I need to know how things are different. I'm going to talk to players. How are things different? Um, like, we talked to Kansas players. I will say that. I did, you know, talking to Kansas players, I asked, you know, what's the main difference from year one to year two under Lance Leipold? You know, because Kansas is traditionally ha- – they, they are not a great football program. They've had glimpses. You know, they've had, they've had little moments where their football program has been really good. But for the most part, I think we can all agree that Kansas football is not very good. But when you look at the success that Lance Leipold has had at, at other levels – he's a really, really good football coach. So just listening to Kansas players, you know, it's like, oh, it's totally different. Like year one was way different than the previous year we had under the old head coach. But from year one to year two under Leipold, the the culture has changed. You know, there's no more BS. Not that there was to begin with, but it, everything's kind of tightened up. So does Kansas go out there and win a, a game or two more? I don't know, but I, I think you'll be able to tell a difference. But I'm not going to learn anything from coaches per se. I think I, me and 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 everyone else that was down there and and listening a, around the globe, Brett Yormark, I think was the the biggest feature. You know, what are you going to hear from him? Are you going to learn anything? And 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 again, I, I will say, I didn't expect to learn too much from Yormark simply because he'd only been associated with the Big Twelve for a few weeks. He doesn't officially start the job till August one, so. Even even in that aspect, I, I didn't expect to learn too much, but I, I think he just kind of, I think he kind of reiterated what everyone was kind of thinking, but the, the important thing is that he said kind of what everyone was thinking, that the Big 12 needs to be open uh, to listen to, to any kind of, you know, they're not going to go out and, and try to expand, I don't think right now anyway, but. You know, if there were certain Pac-12 schools that wanted to try to join the Big 12, or others, and I don't know if there's any really solid Group of Five programs. Maybe one could emerge this year, but I, I don't personally feel like there's any. You know, Cincinnati's, Houston's, you know, UCF's. There's you know programs that are kind of below that. So I don't I don't know if you're going to get any Group of Fives. But if there were any Power Five programs that that were looking to try to to try to better their their programs and better their universities, everyone's kind of like, well, the Big Twelve needs to listen to that, and that's exactly what Your Mark said. So, if I had to, if I had to say I learned anything at all about the about the big from Big Twelve Media Days about Your Mark or about the future of the conference, is that you know he he kind of reiterated, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to be hateful, but he reiterated obvious uh, obvious talking points, which which is good because it's not like you go in there saying, well we're, we're, good with what we have. You know, we, we're losing OU in Texas, but we're bringing in four really good programs. We've got really good programs already in the big 12. So we're, we're, we're staying pat, you know, we've got what we want. We're doing what we need to do. He, you know, he went out there and said, we are open to any and all, you know, anyone that wants to make a proposition that's, you know, we're, we're willing to listen. And I think that's really important.
1: thought it was interesting kind of the, the difference between your mark and thank you. Granted, your mark is on his way in. Mm-hmm. Sankey has been at the SEC forever, and they just added OU and Texas, which, which you know, I, I think, and Sankey even said it. Of course, he's going to say it, but I believe Texas and OU going to the SEC is a much bigger deal than USC and UCLA to the Big Ten. Absolutely, um, in, for the conferences, but also college landscape. But Sankey basically said, "Yeah, we're already a super conference. We really don't need to add any more." Um, I think that if Clemson called them, they would listen. Um, they would take that phone call, but everything's a, you know, a negotiation right now. And, and in business, you never want to be in a negotiation. You never want to be the first one to speak. You never want to be the first one to offer unless you are the desperate one. And so the SEC is going to sit back and say, Hey, you're going to have to, you're going to have to come to us and give us a good reason why, uh, why you, why your school helps the SEC. There's only a handful of them out there. And I think we touched on them last last time. Uh, you know, a, a Clemson, maybe a Florida State, Notre Dame, obviously, they help any conference. Um, but uh, the the USC to the Big Ten, of course, made no sense to anybody geographically or or <laughs> athletically or any other reason. But, um, but your mark comes into the Big 12 where the Big 12's it's, I think it's solid with the with the four edition mm-hmm. uh, after OU and Texas have left. But if you can make it stronger, if there's a way he can make it stronger, he's absolutely going to be all ears. So, did he give it any in, any indication as these talks have been going on with Big Twelve, Pac Twelve? Who's on that phone call? If your mark hasn't really started yet, Bowlesby's on his way out. Really can't, and he's you know sort of a lame duck. Uh, commissioner at this point are they both on the call is your mark on it who's on the call there
0: i would imagine that your mark is on is out making calls now i i don't know if he is actively pursuing you know we came uh, the the report came out last night about you know how the the big 12 is not interested in a full-on merger with the Pac 12 i could i could have told you that it's right it's the same discussion that we've had about arizona arizona state and colorado Right, I mean Utah. Utah's a good football program. They're on the they're on the ups, and I think that adding Utah would be a good addition to the Big Twelve. But why would you go out and add two more Texas Techs and a Kansas? And and yeah. honestly, the way right. Arizona's played, I wouldn't even say I wouldn't even say that. I wouldn't even say Texas Tech. You know, when you look at Arizona State, they've had you know they they have the best record uh, of Arizona or of Colorado, but. With what's kind of happened the past two or three years with Herm Edwards, you know how much more relevant are they going to be? And no one, they're like, well, we, we could get the Phoenix market. Well, if if no one in Phoenix is watching football right now, you think adding Arizona, Arizona State to the pack to the Big T, uh, Big Twelve is going to matter? They're not going to say, oh, the Big Twelve that's way better than the Pac Twelve. Let's watch football. No, that's not that's not the thing. Now Utah would be a good addition. I think that obviously Oregon and Washington would be great additions but you're not just going to take 3 so if you had 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 to take a football program you would probably take Stanford you know and I don't and even then I don't know if you would really want Stanford but why would you do a full on merger why you don't you don't need a Washington state you don't need an Oregon state you certainly don't need Colorado you don't need either of the Arizona programs i just to me it never made much sense to go after to go after the entire Pac-12, or mm-hmm. even the, the the teams that made sense geographically, it, it just to me is just kind of like there there are four pro, there are three programs that make sense for the Big Twelve, but you're not going to take three, you're going to take an even number, and I don't know if you really want that. And then the and then the question, because I, it's obvious that football is driving the boat. You know, USC and UCLA are going to the Big Tw- uh, Big Ten because of football. They're not they're not going because of swimming and diving. Or basketball, <laughs> or baseball, or softball, or uh, or any of the other you know litany of Olympic sports that those the California. I don't think schools they're going to
1: create a hockey team either.
0: Probably not. You know, they're probably. Not. I know that hockey was is pretty solid in L.A. I know that I know you got the the Ducks and and the Kings. I are not just L.A., but you know in in California. Mm-hmm. But I I would doubt that they're going to add ice hockey anytime soon. So the question, you know, the question begs to you know begs to be asked is is this just going to be simply a football move? Because if you think about football and I, I we talked about this last week on our show, football you're going to travel what maybe 6 7 like 7 times max for road games. So if you're, you know, if you're already chartering flights, what's an extra couple hours, you know, you've already you've already paid for the charter flight and a USC Ohio State game is going to bring a lot of money. So you don't really have to worry about paying for a charter flight to Columbus, or a charter flight to Happy Valley, or a charter flight up to Michigan, you know you're not you're not too concerned with with paying for football because football is going to bring in way more money in the Big Ten than it is in the Pac-12. You know we heard yesterday, which would be Monday, October uh, July 18th, uh, about how the the Big Ten is is looking at a billion dollar TV contract. Which is which is just wild, you know. It's those are obvious, you know, very preliminary, early reports. But that's that's kind of the thought process, which makes you it makes a lot of sense why USC and UCLA are, are trying to do that. Now, the UCLA move may not move, may not happen because you know we're hearing now that um, the, the Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, and the uh, is it the the whatever the california i think it's like the uc board of regents or something like that the california schools ucla did not contact them about making the move so they're trying to sue you at ucla and trying to put a halt to that move so you, no one knows if it's even going to happen but if i'm if i'm those two schools and let's say it does happen you're going to send football max like seven road trips but are you really going to how many how many conference road games is a baseball team going to play how many conference road games is a softball team going to play you know, men's and women's basketball, uh, men's and women's tennis, because I, you can send football seven times, but you're not going to f- most, you know, like when I, I talked to Tom Dorado, Oklahoma State baseball, there aren't too many trips where they're going to get on an airplane. They're they're most likely going to bus everywhere they go. You're telling me that, that USC baseball is going to get on a bus and go to whatever Big Ten school has a baseball team 20 times a year? Mm-hmm.
1: No, yeah, they're flying.
0: So that's I, I, my thought would be, you know, if it were up to me, it'd be football only. Football, you know, USC and UCLA. If it does go through, they go to the Big Ten, and then everything else kind of it's kind of like Big Twelve wrestling. You know, big Big Twelve wrestling. You got San Jose State. You got Wyoming. You got Air Force. You know, you've got a bunch of schools that that aren't other traditional Big Twelve programs. So I would have to think that the and, and if that if that were the case. With the Big Twelve, Pac-12, any kind of merger, whether the Big Twelve is only going to take a handful of programs, or you know they come they come around and they decide they want to do a full-on merger or just whatever, I think we're talking I think we're talking football only because first of all, Oklahoma and and here's the thing, Oklahoma State fans already don't like 11 a.m. kicks, so it the the football to the Pac-12 I think is the dumbest idea. Because you're not gonna wanna do nine thirty kicks or nine AM kicks because 'cause they're two hours behind. You're not gonna wanna do nine PM or nine thirty PM kicks because that's just awful. And then you're telling me that that Josh Holiday wants to wants to play a bunch of a bunch of nine AM, you know, ten AM baseball games out in out in Washington or Oregon, or that that Mike Boynton wants to play a bunch of nine PM tips and you know Chris Young and Kenny Guyeski and Colin Carmichael I just don't think that's it's just that's stupid so I think it's I think any any of these moves any conference realignment obviously OU it's all going to be OU and Texas is all going to be SEC but it's geographically it makes a hell of a lot of sense because we're talking one time zone for maybe half the schools everyone else is in the central time zone so doesn't you know it's not that big of a deal, but California, yeah, that's 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 a little bit further.
1: Well, definitely puts basketball in the oddest spot because how many times have we seen him play a Saturday, Monday, uh, sure. Wednesday, you know, a, a Wednesday, Saturday? Um, that's that's a lot of travel to then get off the off the plane, and those guys, the more often than not, those guys fly, uh, but um, that that's that's a weird that mm-hmm. makes a weird schedule, so. Who? And that's, and, and that's uh,
0: just basketball. That's not any other sport, right? Yeah. Well, and I say that because you know, baseball. You at least there. In softball,
1: you go for a multi-game series, so you're there. Uh, you know, through the weekend, you're there for a, um, I guess the one days, you know, the midweek games, but you really don't do those conference midweek games. So you're there for the weekend. But basketball, it's a. It's there, and then and then home, and and not often do the men's and women's teams play the same team at the same time so it's not like you have you know the the six o'clock women's game and then the eight o'clock men's game
0: yeah well so. and that's that's an interesting point because you know if and, and i know that robert he gets he gets on to me sometimes when i talk about you know the implications of of olympic sports because football is you know all of these decisions are being, are being made on football and i get that i really do because football is what pays for all athletic departments. You know, there's not, there's not many athletic departments. I'm not saying every every single one, but there are not many athletic departments in the country where Olympic sports pay for for the athletic department. Obviously, you get the you get the the, the occasions, right? You get K- uh, Kansas, you got North Carolina, you got Duke. You know, probably Syracuse. So you, I mean, there are programs out there that it happens, but most often than not, you're talking about football. But you know, if Chad Weiberg's sitting down and he's thinking, okay, well, we got to pay for baseball to travel twenty times a year. We got to pay for softball to travel. You know, and I know softball travel is a little bit different because of the preseason tournaments, but or the the non conference preseason tournaments. But you know, you're still you still have a you know quite a significant amount of non conference matches, uh, uh, travel arrangements that you're going to have to make. Same with tennis. You know, so it's you have Olympic sports you have to think about. Can, is football going to bring in enough money to try to, to try to fly these these teams out west every single week and several you know multiple times a week? Because then then you have to turn around and you got to think about you got to think about academics because you know student athletes. So obviously the these programs are paying for ed- educations. They're going to want to graduate and they don't want their their. Uh, APR to fall and their graduation rates to suffer. So, because then you get more money or less money. So it's um, uh, it's definitely a geographical conversation. You know, I just I don't and and that's where I think you know when you heard oh well the Pac-12 and that's they're, they're asinine fan theories, but they're still being brought up. You know, Pac-12 and ACC are going to form a merger. No, they're not. No, they're not. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. You are telling me that South Carolina wants to, like, the state of South Carolina wants to play, you know, in Washington and vice versa. That's so. That's such an insane amount of travel, and the whole ACC to the SEC. Yeah, I get the ACC network and the SEC network are ESPN, but that's kind of what you know. Get Greg uh, Greg Sankey kind of talked about it yesterday. The fact that you know, the grant of rights are so astronomical in the ACC. I mean, you didn't come out and say that directly, but, you know, there's grant of rights and, and you got a lot of money. And, and so we're, you know, we're not going to expand anytime soon. You know, Clemson makes a lot of sense being in the SEC. Florida State, uh, I mean, in terms of tradition, yeah, but I mean, currently they would get waxed every week. Uh, Miami is on the up and up, but, you know, NIL could get them in trouble. But and and then after that you're thinking, well, do you take you know like Virginia Tech, do you take you know Duke or North Carolina because then you also get basketball. But you have you have so many hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in that grant of rights that no one's going to be able to say, you know what, we want out of the ACC. I think we're going to go to the SEC. So I don't think the SEC expands anytime soon. And if they do, it's probably not going to be with ACC. And so I think right now everyone is just waiting. Like it's a set and you know it's a set and wait game. I don't think anything's going to happen anytime soon. But if it does, everyone's going to be waiting on Notre Dame. I think I think Notre Dame is going to be the deciding factor. You know them asking they want seventy five million dollars to stay independent, an annual deal to stay independent. But I don't know if if someone's going to pay. Notre Dame, $75 million, and then if you tie in, like, you know, the Big 12 was reported to, you know, kind of be the the conference that would move forward with that. Well, if that's the case, I think you're kind of getting back into bed with the Texas because Notre Dame's a massive brand. They're a good football program, and they're going to kind of drive the boat, and then all of a sudden you've got a Longhorn Network situation on your hands with them and NBC, so – it's a. Uh, I, I think I don't I don't know if anything else is going to happen right now. I think I think we've I think we're kind of through the expansion stuff and we're we're going to get into the football season and then maybe next year you'll start to hear some more stuff.
1: Notre Dame to the Big 12 would be interesting cuz then you're then you're the religious conference with Texas Christian, Baylor and the Catholic
0: yeah. Notre Dame. That'd yeah.
1: be very interesting.
0: Yeah. Well, and then you've got BYU. <laughs> oh, yes. The Mormon (laughs) when they when they when they join you'll have BYU the Church of Latter Day Saints so that'll be yeah you could you could rebrand so yeah it's uh it's it's interesting and and here's I think everything is on the table and nothing is on the table you know especially right now when we're kind of in a dead period I don't there there are some things that are outlandish you know like a Pac twelve ACC merger or whatever but uh, when you talk about conference expansion like I think. I think it's it's fair to say that OSU would do well in the SEC, and and it would make sense that if the SEC were to expand, when you look at TV deals, when you look at success, when you look at combining Oklahoma State and OU back, you know, you get the Bedlam series, which is a a really you know uh, it's a, a financial a, a a good financial decision. A lot of you know millions and millions of people are going to watch that game, so it, it it makes sense to have those two those two programs back together. You know, so it's yeah, it's. I think anything is on the table, and I think nothing is on the table right now. So uh, it's certainly going to be interesting to see how all that stuff moves forward.
1: All right, so back to Jerry World Jerry's of the World OSU was, contingent: right. Gundy, Spencer, Brock Martin, Tyler Lacey, Brandon Everett. Who was he? Was the one rocking the cowboy hat, wasn't
0: he? Uh, Brock Martin had the cowboy hat, and Brendan, Brock had the cowboy. So Brendan okay. was there for the champions, the, the champions for life that they do. So he wasn't. He was he was at Media Days, but he wasn't at Media Days.
1: Okay, so so my question was going to be who was who was the most fun to talk to who uh, who seemed to work the room the best and how those guys do.
0: Well, the obvious choice would be Mike, um, especially when and and you know this better than anyone. When when Mike has a good team when there's when there's not a lot of pressure on Mike, you know he's. The, he, he's the best he ever is. You know, the sound bites you're going to get from him, the quotes you're going to get from him, the the attitude you're going to get from him. Uh, he's just, he's so much fun. You you know, if if OSU were projected like fifth or sixth, you know, and they didn't have a starting quarterback that that was returning and, and the, they didn't have probably the best defensive line in the country and some really good young players, you know, Mike would, he'd be real, you know, real cut and paste. You know, he'd be, you know, this is this is what we're gonna do. We're not gonna be fun. We're not gonna be jovial. You know, I'm gonna give you my answers and then we're gonna move on. But when Oklahoma State is is in a decent position and he's got some good players, he's gonna give you some really good quotes. Like if OG were predicted fifth or sixth, I don't I don't think we would get the as good a comments as we got about the Bedlam series. You know, he might he might hit on it and say yeah, I'm not really sure about the history of it. You know, right now I would say we're probably not going to play it because of the uncertainty, but, you know, we we still have at least three seasons of it left. You know, whereas now it's like it's over. It's history. We're not doing it anymore. They decided to leave. they thinking about themselves. You know, they don't care about anyone else, and so we're just, you know, it is what it is. No more. You know, if they want to play it in the future, we got to work out some kind of a deal, so yeah, I, I would say Mike uh, is the most obvious choice. And then we talked to uh we talked to Brock Martin uh at, at Robert's table at the, the triple play sports table. Uh and I he's the only player that I heard because Robert took Robert took Oklahoma State players for breakout and I had um uh, who did I have that? I don't remember who I had, but it was no issue. But I did hear Brock Martin talk, and Brock was I, – I think Brock is going to have a solid year. I'm i am really looking forward to Brock. He was confident, but he was his, you know, funny self. You know, he's got some – kind of some snide comments, and, and he's going to be uh, – I, th- I think Brock – and he looks really good. Brock looks good. He looks the part. So I think that – Let's see. They've got him at 6'3", 245. Yeah, I would say that's probably two forty five is probably pretty accurate. You know, he might be a little bit heavier, but he's a he's a really stout cut two forty five two fifty. So, I, I I would I would go with Brock just because of you know how fun he is outside of the outside of football as well. And I meant to say Brennan Presley, not Bren not Brennan
1: Everett. Brendan Presley was part of the four. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and and how do you think Rob Glass felt about uh, about him talking about eating candy for dinner five nights in a row? <laughs> I
0: I'm w- guessing Glass went, uh, "Come here, buddy." Well, you know, there's some players that can get away with that, right? I think that you know, like you go to last year and they needed um, they needed Caleb Etienne to drop. You know, a, a pretty decent amount of weight. So he'd he'd probably be pretty ticked off if if uh, Caleb Etienne came out and said, you know what, I've had a bunch of suckers and nerds and and Jolly Ranchers <laughs> and Snickers bars, and that's that's what I you know, there's peanuts and Snickers, you know. So I'm I'm eating healthy. I sit around playing video games all day, and that's what I do. But when you got, I, I would think when you know Brennan probably burns as many calories. As, as anybody on that team so I he's probably not happy with it but I don't know if there's too much if there's too much the staff can do how about that
1: so Caleb Etienne uh, was 67 350 whoop that's a big 6, down 350 last year he is now down to a sleek,
0: slim 325 this year and he and- according to according to the uh, website. And 325 looks really good. You know, he's not, you know, it's not a, it's, it's not like a, a six foot 325. You know, that's that six seven, six eight, you know, the, <laughs> the weight is distributed really, really well. And there's some considerable muscle mass there as well. So it's not just 325 of fat. I mean, Caleb Etienne looks good. Um, he looks more the part we thought he would be than he was last year. Now, I think you still need to temper expectations based on the fact that he didn't play at all last year. He looked good in the spring, right? And he looks he looks good in summer workouts. He's obviously got his weight down. He's gotten stronger. He's turned some of that fat into muscle. So I he has a he'll play this year and he'll look a hell of a lot better than he did last year. But I'm not going to sit here and say that you know Caleb Etienne is going to go out and. And earn, you know, all Big 12 first or second team, and he's gonna be looking for an all America odd or you know, all America nod and all that stuff. So I like I, I like Caleb Etienne and I think the potential is there. Um someone that I'm some you know what someone I'm really looking forward to to see and is Tyrone Weber. And that the weight on that website has to be wrong because Tyrone looks like 3-305-306. Um, and he is a mauler. That dude is nasty. So I, I think that I, I think if I had to pick out of out of just those two, I would, you know, or or any of the guys on the roster that I'm looking forward to to, to watching on the offensive line, I'm gonna go Tyrone Weber. And and again, there's still, you know, there is the the leap from JUCO to Division One Power Five college football. So obviously. You know, I, you can't expect him to come in and, like I said, be a, a D1, you know, All-American and, you know, all Big 12 first team and, and making, you know, making all those, you know, all the accolades. But the potential is there for sure.
1: Well, anybody that's ever lost any kind of weight knows that you can't just hope that it goes away. You can't just um, go, well, I'm just going to, run a few more miles this week it it takes a full-on commitment mentally physically you have to buy into the fact that you're going to lose this weight and it is better for your body long term short term all sorts of you know terms there to to do that and so caleb dropping when you're at 350 i've never been 350 Mm -hmm. but i'm gonna Matt. i've also never been six seven but I'm going to imagine that that's not even that's not as easy as, as the average person going. Yeah, I'm going to drop ten pounds, uh, you know, before before bikini season, before summer season. I'm going to bet that dropping twenty five pounds that that took a full year, probably, of getting him mentally to the point where he goes, "Yeah, I need to do that." Because Rob going to Rob Glass and him telling you, "Hey, we need to we need to cut some weight here." I'm going to bet it's more difficult than Rob Glass coming to you and saying, "Hey, we're going to put we're going to put 10 pounds of muscle on here, 20 pounds of muscle." Yeah, because I, I would think that, uh, that it's a little more grueling and uh, and you've got to be mentally ready for it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's not, you know, you're like like you said, it's not just getting on the stairmaster for an extra 20 or 30 minutes or, or running a few extra laps at, after practice, you know, it, it's a it's you're, it's a whole mentality change. Right, the lifestyle
1: I mean, change.
0: Yeah, yeah. So you're you're going for and and six seven. You can if you're six seven six eight. You can hold three hundred and fifty pounds, you know. And you're probably you're probably not going to look three hundred and fifty pounds because you're six seven. But there's a big difference between six seven three fifty and a six, seven, two, uh, 325. And so when you're when you're looking to drop twenty five pounds, you can't just drop twenty five pounds, right? You, I mean, you can, but. They they completely and drastically overhaul the diet, you know. No more, and that's something that Robert and I we were talking about uh, when we were going down to Arlington was, you know, these guys. And the, the discussion came up the uh, the article that Robert wrote a few weeks ago. Who's more athletic, right? Is it is it players today, or is it players <laughs> ten plus years ago? Because when you, I would have
1: loved to have been a fly on the wall for that uh, that back and forth. Because the the people he listed off are not short of opinion.
0: No, yeah. So you've got uh, Jason Taylor going at Rashetti Jones, <laughs> and Rashetti Jones going <laughs> at Jason Taylor. Now, when you think about it, like I I think today's athletes are more athletic. Not saying that they're better; they're better football players. But when you think about football. And when you think about weight training today compared to 10-plus years ago, it, its I don't want to say night and day, but it's this is an 11-month sport. You know, guys are in the weight room, you know, all, all day, every day. They're in the weight room uh, all year long. When you look at high school athletes, that's why when you see, you know, someone could be really good, but, you know, coming out of high school, but they're going to come into Oklahoma State or whatever college they're going into and they're going to be injured most of their first year or they're going to come in injured. Well, it's because these kids are now working out with personal trainers. Uh, every city has a has some kind of, a, I don't want to say a football club, but has some kind of group that, that trains football players, position players, linemen. They're constantly working out. So you get the overwork injuries. Uh, I think DeAndre Glass is, is a perfect example of that. First of all, DeAndre Glass was way overused in high school, but it was he was spent by the time he got to Oklahoma State because he was a hell of a mm-hmm. high school running back, you know. And that's and that's just something that you deal with now is the overuse injuries. I, I think baseball players are a prime example of that. Kids in high school having to get Tommy John surgery and and that's because they're throwing way, way, way more than pitchers have ever done before. So in terms of Oklahoma State football players now compared to 10 to 15 years ago, I think this group is more athletic. But when you look at the standouts, there's, you know, Des Bryant, Justin Blackman, Justin Gilbert. Uh, So, I mean, Russell Okung. So when you look at, when you look at, and and Rashetti Jones is a good example. And I know I'm missing, there's other, uh, Emmanuel Lagba and all kinds of stuff like that. But when you look at as a whole, I think that, I think newer players are probably more athletic.
1: All right, let me let me throw in. Yeah, I'm going to get your opinion on this. Who's more athletic, Spencer Sanders or Zach Robinson? Um, Zach Robinson was recruited originally as a wide receiver, wasn't he? I f- think so. Let I'm me pretty see. Pretty sure he was.
0: Uh, everything I do, let's see, is going to be. Based... I know he
1: was. He was a little before your time here at uh, Zach. A little I, before your time here at Oklahoma State. I, but, was,
0: I was in high school. That's right. I was in high school. Yep. Um, now, I will say this.
1: Zach Robinson and every Oklahoma State fan knows and, and saw Zach Robinson come back from the dead yeah. against Oregon because he got killed and then <laughs> came back and somehow still played. I don't think he still plays in today's uh, in today's concussion protocol. Um they would have sent him to the sideline real quick, but uh, I haven't seen Spencer come back from the dead. I have seen Zach Robinson do that.
0: Yeah, and I think that's another. I think that's a big difference. You know, it's it's something that gets brought up. You know, people talk about well, football players today aren't tough enough. They're not as tough as that. And I'll give them that. You know, I, I I think as a whole, not I mean, there's obvious players that are going to come. Like Jalen Warren basically had to be held down at the at the Big Twelve Championship game. You know, because he was, you know, he was just itching. He had the bruised sternum and had a foot injury, and so he was, he was dying. Like they had to hold, they basically had to hold him back, hold him off the field to get back out there. And I know Danny Gudlewski would have been the same way. But as a whole, I think you know the conversation as players aren't as tough as they were, but they they also didn't know as much about concussion protocol and and the effect of effects of concussion and CTE and. And all that Mm -hmm. stuff way back in the day compared to now. So, I think players back then they they were tougher because they didn't. This kind of sound bad. They were tougher because they didn't know any better. You know, the the whole no. It was
1: ingrained. I mean, from little league, it was ingrained that unless you are injured, like you're injured, there's a difference between hurt and injured. Bones sticking out. Unless you're injured, yeah, you're on the field. You know, you keep going out there. Yeah, and rubs, and that, some that's dirt the on. way I saw it in baseball. And then I had, you know, just a couple of, uh, from 2005, to 2009, I mean, I saw that transition in baseball, mm-hmm. um, where in 2005, yeah, you're, you're, te- you're popping any kind of, uh, Advil, anything you can, anything you can take to get back on the field, you know, as a starting pitcher, you're doing anything you can, whether, uh, whether the trainer gives it to you or not. Yeah. Um. But in you know, and just even by 2011, that was that was out of the game. And and you know whether we're going smarter now or babying things a little more, I you know that's that's a whole nother debate. But um, I think with the CTE thing, it is it all the caution needs to be taken. Yeah. Uh, that next the next quarter is it worth it? Um, you know, so. And in any time that you're all of a sudden not as good as your back, we had a stable of running backs last year. Uh, and as soon as you know a bruised sternum, if you can't cut and you can't run as yeah. fast as the guy behind you, the guy behind you needs to be in.
0: Absolutely, and and that's and I think what is so, I think what's so important is that it's not just at the collegiate level. You know, it's not just at the professional level. This the care and caution as has been taught to these trainers, you know, kids that are in college that are, are are wanting to become athletic trainers. And it's being it's being taught down at the high school levels. You know, so it's not just, well, you got popped pretty hard. Well, we're gonna give you a few plays, you're gonna drink some Gatorade, you're gonna have, you're gonna sift some smelling salts and you're gonna get back out there. The the safety is all is, is professional down through middle school and high school at so it's it's ingrained in these kids at such a young age where, you know, fifteen years ago, well, that's okay, coach. I, I'm okay. I, I got I got hit pretty good, but I'm still seeing straights, so I'm gonna get back out there. The you know, these, these college kids nowadays understand the the dangers of it because they were taught in high school. You know, they were taught in health class, they were taught by their coaches, cop taught, uh, taught by their trainers. So there's overuse injuries because of all the working out, but these kids are are a lot a lot more savvy and training staffs are a lot more savvy than, than say, 20, 30, 40 years ago. So um, I don't know, man. In terms of, of who's athletic, if you're talking about Zach Robinson or Spencer Sanders, um, I don't know. I really don't. I think they're going to be, in terms of statistics, I think they're going to be pretty similar. Um, you know, Zach Robinson, I think, finished with 8,317 passing yards. Uh, and Spencer is setting it just over six thousand. Uh, let's see, Spencer, if I can spell. Goodness gracious. Um, let me pull up his college stats from Sports Reference because that's what I use for Zach Robinson, and it gives me a good side by side. So he's at—I lied—he's at lied, sixty-nine eleven. So he'll in and, and, and so in four years he'll eclipse Zach Robinson in passing. In theory, right? You would you would like to hope that 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 Spencer can throw more than eleven hundred yards this year. Um, and Spencer should, in theory, eclipse Zach Robinson in rushing yards. Um, Robinson finished with uh, eighteen fifty eight, and uh, Spencer's at fifteen sixty five. Although Spencer is roughly forty rushes less. So it, that that should average out, right? So Spencer's probably not going to have. Well, he will. He he had 146 rushes last year, so he'll eclipse him in in rushes as well as rushing yards. But um, he won't get him in touchdowns. I'll say that uh, Spencer's setting with 10 rushing touchdowns, uh, and Zach finished with 22. So I I would doubt Ooh, I would doubt yeah. Spencer rushes for 12, because the most he had was. This past year at six, so I don't know. Yeah, I,
1: mean, I think if Spencer gets twelve, something went way wrong with our running backs this year.
0: Yeah, I think, and he'll he'll eclipse him in touchdowns. Uh, Spencer setting at fifty. Zach had sixty six. Um, Passing touchdowns. I I would I would think that he'll pass him there, although he is going to clear him in interceptions. Um in his four years Zach had 31 and Spencer is currently setting at 31.
1: I I think it's reasonable to to think that Spencer will not throw a single interception. You think so? For the whole season. Well, they, I think it's very reasonable. Well, absolutely. they play Baylor.
0: They they do they what? They do, oh, they do play Baylor. They do, ah, they do play, so he'll throw at least two or three. <laughs> and that's something I just don't understand. I just I'm not I'm not criticizing him in any way. Spencer is is more athletic, more of an athlete than I could ever even wish to be. Um and and it's like the it's like a conversation I had yesterday. They were talking about um Kendrick Williams signing a like a four-year contract extension with the Thunder and how it's it's way more worth it, you know, than than the contract extension they signed Kyle Singler, and how Kyle Singler is probably the worst you know the worst player in Thunder history and yada yada, and when you think about that in terms of professional athletes, yeah, he wasn't that good, but when when you think about Kyle Singler in terms of being a part of the what one two three percent of athletes that that make it to the NBA maybe maybe lower than that percentage, I don't I don't know exactly what it is, but. Um. Yeah, he wasn't a good professional basketball player, but Kyle Singler's better than ninety nine percent of the people on the planet. Oh yeah. So uh, Spencer may throw interceptions, but I can't sit here and say anything. But when you when you think about bait, like he had twelve interceptions last year, right? Was it nine? Nine came against Baylor. So if, was seven, se- uh, well, I it's four, four and three. Is that four and th- I don't think I- he threw five in one of them. Yeah, I yeah. Think that five was big. the that was the first one. The first, right. the first one he had like four, and then the second, but still seven and twelve. Right. You know, I mean, if you if you only throw one in each of those, you know, so that's it's just in it's insane. And I, I'm not, I, I'm not, I'm not putting Spencer at fault. It's not his fault, you know. I, I mean, I guess it is. I'm not, I'm not saying that. The interceptions are solely on him, you know. Baylor right. had some good defenders, but something about you know something about Baylor. I just it doesn't it doesn't make a lot of sense. So,
1: well, uh, it just makes you wonder. Like, what was going to be a great question for him? What what was different uh, about their defense? Were they disguising things better? Uh, did they switch after the snap better mm-hmm. than than other teams or? Uh, you know, did did they do something that just made his mind rush? Uh, I mean, that's something that our defense last year did really well. The the fast, you know, or the the big guy in the middle Eta. was he giving more? Was he getting more push against that interior line that just made Spencer less comfortable? Yeah, uh, I mean, that's that's what a Colin Oliver, that's what a Trace Ford, Brock Martin are going to do this year. Um, you know, it's going to be very interesting especially after the first game, I mean, every game we're going to talk about it, but you'll probably get a lot of Derek Mason versus, um, oh my goodness, last year, coordinator. Jim Knowles. This was, Jim Knowles. Can't believe I forgot that. Out of sight, um, out of mind. That's 100% what it is. But you're going to get a lot of that comparison, yeah. Um, you know, probably down to the who gave up more yards. Ultimately, it's going to, you know, it's going to be, Um, score, it's going to be points given up because you can get all the sacks in the world, but if you give up seven big plays for touchdowns, you gave up 49 points.
0: Yeah, and I I think that my my hot take right now, and and I understand that this number might be high in terms of, of any other team, but against Baylor, Spencer will throw two or less interceptions this year like it which obviously if you're sitting there saying he's going to throw two interceptions against a team that's bad because you know whoever wins the turnover battle however when you look at the oklahoma state defense like i think Corey black and jabbar muhammad are going to be really good um i don't i don't know if they're going to be direct replacements for jark bernard converse and christian holmes because those those guys are really 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 good corners but when you look at what Corey Black and Jabbar Muhammad did in their short amount of time, I think, I think they'll be really solid replacements. Um, you're going to need to figure out you know, who's going to step up and, and who's going to be good at safety. It's same with linebacker. But when you look at that defensive line, that defensive line is going to cause so much havoc, whether it's in terms of passing, whether it's in terms of rushing. So I think, I think OSU is going to force. Uh, a lot of turnovers as well. So in the, Oh, in the, in the first
1: episode that I was on here with you, you gave me homework in the third episode. I think you gave me homework to watch Langston Anderson, uh, high school video. And, and I came through on all those homework.
0: That's right. I'm proud of you.
1: My, my homework for you. Mm -hmm. I want to, I want us to get another guest on yep. and I want us to get somebody that can talk to us about what the guys have gone through in this grueling of a summer
0: sure
1: for workouts whether that's a rachetti whether that's a blacknik I would love to talk with them about about all of that how that preps them for the season because I th- I love it whenever I hear gundy talk about at the end of a game we were in better shape than them yeah okay so I would love for us to be able to talk with how do they get there? Why do they, um, we know why, but we'll ask them the, I love hearing the why from people. Yeah. Do you I, think that's possible that.
0: Yeah. Uh, let me, let me, let me pull some strings. Let me reach oh, out baby. to some folks. Know some, know somebody who knows somebody. Yeah, I know. I, I know. Uh, you know, my cousins, brothers, nephews. Uh, you know, barber <laughs> is, can, a, is a season ticket holder. Yeah, he, he's he's a season <laughs> ticket holder, and he uh, he gets to go to the he gets to go to the uh, what's it called the. Uh, Oh, for extreme camp? extreme camp! Yeah, he gets to he gets to go to extreme, <laughs> and he gets a discount. He doesn't pay full price, so you know he can pulls mm. some strings. So, mm. yeah okay. have you uh, Have you Have you ever read an article that Roberts written about extreme camp?
1: Yes, I want to go so bad, man. Oh, I'm trying man. to figure out how the Poke Sport Podcast can support that. Um, there should I don't be know that
0: every year OSU should allow one media outlet. Per like per per extreme camp, and then yeah. you can go and and figure out what it's all about. I agree, that would be cool. I agree, hundred percent. Let me let me ask my cousin's brother's nephew's barber, and I'll see <laughs> if right. we can't pull. Some, yeah, we'll uh, I'll I'll talk to Robert, and we'll see if we can't try to we'll see if we can't try to pull some strings and see about getting a, uh, you know, maybe someone from the strength staff because we still we've got about two weeks, uh, well, probably less than two weeks before fall camp starts, so there should be enough time to to try to get someone in here before things really ramp back up. But uh, yeah, looking forward to that. I think, I think we can do that as well. So um, no, that would be great. Yeah, absolutely. So I know you got to get rolling here. Uh, you've got, uh, you got stuff you got to take care of and I gotta, I gotta start taking care of some stuff as well. So that's going to do it for the Pokesport podcast this week. Uh, it's been a fun, it was a good one. Uh, I, th- I think this will probably be the last one where we're trying to have to pull content out of, I don't want to say nothing um, but pull content out of stuff that's kind of non-topics like expansion talk and and big 12 media days and stuff like that. Uh, by the time, you know, if we're able to get a if we're able to get a guest, you know to to talk about just how grueling the summers are and just how that prepares a, a player to get into get into the, the best shape possible in order to outlast a team. And then after that, I mean two weeks, Brian, we're in fall camp. You know we're we we'll have stuff to talk about. We'll you know we're, we're and we're talking about a full healthy offensive line. Yeah, we're, whatever we're, they put out there in the spring. That's right. We're knocking down the doors of, of the season. You know we're we're nearly there. So that's going to do it for the Pokes Report podcast. Uh, for Brian Murphy, I'm Zach Lancaster. We will talk to you next time here on PokesReport.com.